Excellent. Okay. So, Mark, welcome back. Oh. And I say welcome back because obviously the, uh, the audio issues from the last time. <laughs> Can't trust technology, especially in a lockdown. Um, the last time we did this, uh, we started off by you introducing yourself. Um, would you like to do that again? I think because you, you, I think you can do it more justice than I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey guys, um, I'm Dr. Mark Dan, hair transplant doctor, and uh, I help people with receding uh, hairlines, and um, that's what I do. And um, I'm pleased to be here with uh, Chris and uh, First Man for our podcast. <laughs> okay, so. Um, we mentioned on the last one that we were going to talk about um, the FUE. I think I'm, I'm saying that right, wasn't I? I said FUE last time. Um, the yeah, FUE, FUE hair transplants. Um, if you could just go into detail about what they are, how how they kind of work, and you know um, your specialist background in that area. Mm. So yeah, FUE is a short form for follicular unit extraction with a new name of follicular unit excision. It's a form of half sink um, in, uh, in hair transplant. So uh, it's not the only way, but it's uh, one of the most common way. And uh, it's commonly known as a minimally invasive technique in harvesting the hair from the back of the scalp, the donor area, and transplanting to the area in need. So for most of my patients who suffer from a receding hairline, looking to have the hairline restored, then it will be right at the hairline there. So uh, that's uh, FUE. Uh, essentially, it's done under local anesthesia. So what it means is uh, you stay fully awake. We harvest individual follicular unit, uh, aka grafts or hair follicles or follicular unit, and, um, and then individually spread over a wide area in the donor. Then, uh, and uh, that's the harvesting process. Uh, when it comes to the front, we uh, uh, make some recipient sites before we actually place the hair follicle. And um, right now, the FUE treatment is by far the most popular. I'm seeing a lot of people doing it. I saw um, a fitness model called Mike Thurston. He kind of documented his journey. It was really interesting to see. Um, why do you think it's the most popular at the moment? Is it just simply the best? Is it the best? Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, I, I think um, the fact that it's minimally invasive and um, is one, one aspect of it is uh, most common. And uh, the second of it is uh, the popularity of, of it because, uh, because of the quick healing time, uh, less noticeable uh, scarring in the back, and that's helped with the popularity with, uh, 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 with men. So uh, is it the best? Um, depending how you see it, um, it's difficult to see uh, best uh, because uh, if, you, if you're good at FUE, then it's great. If you're good at other type of hair transplant surgery, such as strip or uh, also known as FUT, you know, both techniques can actually yield really good results and uh, in good hands. So uh, depending, if you're familiar with the FUT, then uh, doing FUE doesn't make you better. <laughs> and uh, if you are if you are good at FUE, then uh, doing FUT again doesn't make you better. So I think do what work for you. And uh, each doctor has their own uh, area of specialty. And if they are good at something, then uh, maybe it's better for you to go see that particular doctor for particular technique. Okay. 
Um, I've, mm. I've been looking at the kind of prices for a long time now. I know that they, they started off like very high. It was only for, um, I believe, celebrities and rich people. And they, they've crashed down to around about, I'd say, average two to 3,000. Would that be fair to say? Uh, crash down to two to three thousand. You mean reduced by two to three thousand, or now is two to three thousand pounds? No, it's around about that price. Is that fair to say, or is it a little bit higher still? I think a little depending depending on the amount, because uh, in in the past uh, the amount that we were doing uh, was less, but the, the fee was higher. Uh, now uh, consider the same amount that we were doing, say eight ten years ago. Um, we hardly do that amount now uh, because we are we are more refined in our skills and all all, all the doctors are better and uh, we are doing much bigger cases compared to what we used to do. So uh, the fee overall fee might went up, but actually the amount of work we do also went up as well. So for the same amount of work, I think it probably have gone down in fees, but um, as we further refine our, our, our hair transplant work is uh, we are actually treating uh, with higher density. We are doing more transplants. So the case, like we talk about the amount of hair we transplant, we talk about the graph we transplant, is actually way more compared to uh, what it was uh, eight, 10 years ago. So um, uh, like for like, I think it's cheaper. Uh, it's gone down, but uh, because we also get things more refined. We are aiming for higher density, better coverage, more work done in one procedure. So actually, uh, the overall fee seems to have gone up a little, but uh, or maintained in a similar level, should I say. So something I found interesting last time that we spoke, sadly, we didn't mm. get that recording, um, or at least we didn't mm. get your end of the recording, is the way that you spoke about how you might even turn people away if, the, um, if they only have to get a small amount of hair replaced, and you'd rather them wait until it got a little bit more severe so that you could replace mm. um, a lot of hair in one go to, um, I guess, limit the number of treatments required. Uh, why was it that you did mm. that again? What's the benefit? So... A lot of the time when patients first notice hair loss, so they might have, oh, got a bit of receding hairline in there. Um, they think, oh, I saw it on the newspaper or the magazine, uh, a hair transplant is a, is a treatment. So not a lot of them, you know, when they come to see me, I tell them, you know, we can fix what is receded. But a lot of the time, you know, you need medications to maintain your own hair. So a lot of the time, it was for very early receding a lot, um, we put them on medications and, you know, they might have some regrowth and, well, actually, sometimes they might not need a transplant so early. So uh, we turn away some patients or we, let's not say turn away, we educate them to, uh, uh, to, to inform them what's a better option for them. So uh, some of them go away and think, oh, well, I can try some of these medications and that seems to work. And uh, so they might not need a transplant so early and um, because there is only so much hair in the back and in the side um, we call it donor reserve and uh, if possible we can uh, try to um, uh, manage it carefully so um, if we can delay the process a little that's likely to help and you actually explained that last time that the hair on the back of the head side sometimes but the back of the head that it's, uh, I, I guess, it's a little bit more resistant to DHT than the hair on the top. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Is, is there any reason why? Or 
<laughs> well, um, for male pattern hair loss, what we observe is that uh, although genetically the hair follicles is same genetic uh, genetic if you look analyze it uh, because we're same person same uh, gene, uh, but uh, the uh, expression of how it uh, reacts to the uh, testosterone or the 5-HG is slightly different, and uh, it's hypothesized that the uh, hair on top is uh, uh, subjective to male pattern hair loss because of the sensitivity to the 5-HG, whereas the donor area, if you're like me, uh, who go to the coffee shop and uh, look at people's walk past and, ah, he's got the good donor. Uh, the back and the side always have very thick hair, and uh, and and, uh, and, uh, and uh, they're resistant to uh, male pattern hair loss. So that's the fundamental uh, why hair fundamental reason why hair transplant work because the transplanted hair will behave like where it came from. So uh, phenomena called donor dominance. So the donor characteristic remain the same even when it's transplanted from the back. To the front. So uh, that's why hair transplant is almost permanent. Uh, so you, it works from once it's transplanted, the hair starts growing, it will be there for long term. So, which can be a great thing because the transplanted hair always going to be there. But uh, at the same time, it can be a bad thing because when you have uh, transplanted hairline in the front and you lose more hair in the future, then it might create more issues. Okay, yeah. Um, mm. we, the one question that a lot of guys have is the scar in the back of the head. So obviously mm. you've got a, I don't, I don't know the real size of it, but most guys who get a hair transplant, they end up growing their hair back around about your length, maybe longer. Cause you know, mm. once you've not had it, you want more of it. It's kind of scarcity. Um, a lot of guys I, te- I, I see go from being, let's say bold to having a ponytail or a man bum within a couple of weeks <laughs> or a couple of months, should I say um, but for people like me who, even if I had a full head of hair, I'd probably like to keep my hair mm. around about this length on the side and then on the top, maybe mm. a grade one or two or something of that nature. Um, mm. Would the scar be visible for people like me on the back of the head because my hair would be so short? So, so uh, with uh, follicular unit extraction, short form FUE or known as follicular unit excision, um, uh, the punch size can vary between... Uh, depending on the manufacturer, somewhere between 0.7 to uh, 1 or maybe even 1.1 1. 1, uh, millimeters. So uh, depending on the size, depending on the level of skill of the surgeon, depending on the preference, and also depending on what they want to achieve with the extraction. Sometimes they want to catch a little, little bit more multiple. Sometimes they're happy to catch a little bit less multiple hair. Um, so depending on the size, the size can also... Uh, uh, have a uh, uh, different size of the uh, scar as well. So the smaller it is, the less noticeable it is. And uh, of course, uh, when it comes to the, the entire donor area, when you spread it out, um, uh, the extraction side, it will uh, look less noticeable. So um, on a technical level, there's no such thing as no scar. So uh, in fact, the ISHRS recommended uh, we shouldn't use the word scarless or scar free. So there's no such thing as no scar surgery. Uh, that's because that's how the body heals. But we can hide it quite um, reasonably well. Uh, and for most people, if they have the hair in the back and the side like a grade two, and that should keep the uh, donor scarring quite uh, uh, noticeable. Uh, if you have a grade two or even longer, like myself, longer hair, and uh, 
is hardly noticeable in the uh, where we took it. Okay. Um, one thing we touched on last time, which I was quite excited about because it's based around testosterone and how testosterone in men is dropping. Um, we were oh. discussing the average age of men that are coming to you and asking for hair transplants. Have you seen that, mm. uh, that average age decline? Are there younger men coming towards your clinic? Or, you know, or, or was mm. it um, the fact that there's more exposure around the subject? Which, you know, which kind of route was it? I think... Uh... A bit of both. Uh, um, we, we, uh, some, some doctors like myself, because I specialize in uh, fixing receding hairline. So uh, uh, most of the patients who come to see me is they want to have the hairline done because that's my area of specialty. And uh, naturally, my patient is uh, just a little bit younger compared to some of the general uh, population. And uh, it's, not, uh, it's not necessarily always the case because some uh, practice... Uh, have a, 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 a approach differently, uh, but for me, um, generally, is the younger patients who uh, look at the early stage of hair loss, been on medications, want to restore the hairline. So, my um, my practice generally have a younger uh, uh, group of patients. But actually, the latest ISHRS uh, results uh, on the on the statistic actually show most of the hair transplant worldwide. Worldwide, not just my worldwide uh, across all the uh, members. Uh, actually, um, most of them um, are under thirty-five years of age. Majority of hair transplant surgery. Wow. So, uh, can it be uh, because uh, hair loss is a bit younger? I, I'm not sure about about that. But I think we are more aware of it, and uh, we are looking after ourselves a little bit more. Uh, Last time you were talking, could it be uh, we were looking at more at the social media? We spend more time on the Vanity. selfie and uh, spend more time on uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> taking nice photo. Or uh, it's like everyone has got a device in their in their in their in their pocket now. In fact, uh, what I'm using now is a uh, is a is a phone to to do this. So inevitably, it's gonna have an effect on how how we look and uh, ourselves. So uh, may- maybe uh, we are in a selfie generation uh, or, or era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we are more self-conscious about it, or maybe just we have always we have always uh, experienced hair loss at around at this age. And I think also patients and uh, are generally a little bit more educated nowadays. So they um, because information is so readily available, we can Google things and Google will find us an answer. So uh, I find that in the last 10 years or so through my uh, career in hair transplant, uh, patients are getting more and more educated. So a lot of the patients I see nowadays, they have already uh, read through a lot of material, do a lot of research, and um, they're aware of what the treatment options available to them. And uh, when they come to see me, they're, fairly uh, uh, aware of what's uh, work and what it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And we're exposed to a lot of embarrassing photos now as well. You'll always see aerial shots of sportsmen, etc., where they've got certain spots missing, especially on the crown of your head, especially there's mm. you know, a lot of bald patches here now. Um, I don't know if that's always been a thing, but I feel like it's on the rise. I think this is the widow's peak, right? And then you've got the crown balding. Well, we've got the, tem- the, the hairline in here, okay. the temples. And then we have the hairline comes down to the temple points in here, and uh, and then they move in the here in the frontal area, mid scalp, and then the uh, 
crown crown area and then the back the toner area there. So which aerial shot do they usually focus on, Chris? <laughs> I think it's this one here. It's the aerial. It's the drone shot. It's the dreaded drone shot. A drone shot. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> the short man shot. So, so what? What's the drone view like for most men? The the what? The drone. Uh, the drone view or for most uh, men. What completely above the head? <laughs> the flyover. Mm. <laughs> Um, what I was what I was going to ask is uh, which ones? Um, why why are they so different? Why is it some people recede here and some people recede here? What what's the what's the idea behind that? Why doesn't everybody recede in kind of the same pattern? Why is it some people? I've seen a lot of guys with a full head of hair from here, and mm. then when they get to around about the crown, there's just a random bald patch. Like, how on earth does that happen? Well, there is a different pattern of. Uh... Hair loss. Some patients uh, have the hairline recede, recede, recede. So it goes back, back, back. And some patients have a variant that they may have recede, 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 and then have a, a patch in some hair loss in the crown. Uh, like you say, some patients have good hair right at the front and just hair loss in the in the crown. Not only that, some patients actually suffer from a diffuse hair loss, so they might have thinning all over front middle, back, uh, but they never go totally bald, they just diffuse hair loss. So um, depending on the um, type of hair loss, uh, they, that's just an observation of, of things. So it has to, um, is that a different genetic? It might be a little bit different in terms of the genetics, but, uh, but uh, overall it's still uh, classified as uh, male pattern hair loss. And uh, treatment is no, uh, not that significant difference. Okay. I've, I've seen some studies which have said um, after people get, I, I saw it with Wayne Rooney, I saw it with uh, Mike Thurston, mm. that after they have their hair transplant, um, the doctors have advised them not to have sex, not to watch porn, um, not to masturbate. Is, is that because the DHT and testosterone goes through the roof? <laughs> no, you didn't see that one. I think I saw this. I, I think I saw, I saw, I saw that... Uh, Comment. I think the other doctor did, did mention that. Uh, what was it? It was really funny. Uh, it was a post, and then they they, they were doing a patient and asking about the uh, is it is it is it is it safe? And then the doctor replied, "I think you're in safe hands." Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think that that's actually not uh, not uh, uh, very related because the the the. The uh, conversion of testosterone into 5-HC is regardless of the different activities and um, as to does that actually affect hair loss. I think uh, most uh, evidence out there suggests it's uh, not directly uh, related to it. So, um, uh, what 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 um, what what advice have we got for our uh, podcast? <laughs> Uh, um, keep calm and carry on <laughs> did you just read that on the wall <laughs> that sounds like office material <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah I mean for, for, for hair uh, or post transplant there's uh, uh, we, we say uh, don't uh, uh, exercise heavily and uh, don't do anything too strenuous so uh, you just need to take things easy I mean take things easy 
Yeah, because a lot of guys think that lifting heavy weights is going to lead to hair loss. But I mean, I think a lot of guys that have got giant muscles are on steroids. I think there's other things that have led to that conclusion. I don't think, you know, Mm. doing a few compound lifts is going to lead to you being bold overnight. I mean, is there any evidence to that? Um, uh, Yes and no, um, because uh, a lot of time uh, we look at the uh, hair loss itself is, uh, first of all, you have the genetic predisposition. Okay, so uh, uh, if you don't have the genetic predisposition, you can you can do uh, you won't you just won't experience hair loss. With the genetic predisposition, there are many environmental uh, factors that can affect the uh, process, so it can accelerate the hair loss. And uh, so, sorry, I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> I've I've had hay fever today as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a hay, uh, a high pollen gap. So. Um, the, you have the genetic predisposition, and then there's a lifestyle factor. So if you were to, let's say, for example, use steroid or uh, use uh, testosterone uh, injections, as some patients do, and uh, then it can potentially accelerate uh, your uh, hair loss. Uh, same for anything. If you go on a, a crash diet or, or, or less than ideal diet, then it can um, potentially impact on the um, hair, hair style thing. So... Uh, is uh, same for uh, major stress, major illness that can also cause acceleration of hair loss. Okay, and you said environmental things in order to accelerate it. Is are there any environmental things you can do to reverse it or delay hair loss for longer? I know there's a lot of natural remedies ah. out there, and are, are people hmm. wasting their time, or do they do they have some effect? I think some of them experience some. Uh, I think. Uh, we were talking about it the other day, and yep. some patients uh, may, may may use some of them and find it helpful. Is, is that is that true? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen that DHT blockers. Uh, they've worked. They've mm. worked. I, I think it could be a placebo. Who knows? But they've definitely worked on myself. Um, not all of the brands. Some of them definitely didn't. Some were better than others. Um, I've definitely seen more hair shedding when I've lived a poor quality of lifestyle. For example, when I was younger and I'd go out drinking late nights, sleep on a sofa all night, um, you know, and have a poor diet. Then I would wake up and my hair would be extremely, uh, I guess, brittle. It would be very dry. And then um, Mm -hmm. as I got older and I lived a better lifestyle, I saw that there was a lot less hair fall. And I imagine if I, I I know it was from stress, it was telogen effluvium. Um, but had I lived a better lifestyle from day one, I, I believe I would have retained it to this day. So it has helped me, yeah. But I, I do think it's inevitable. I think once you get to a certain point, I think you can delay hair loss as long as, as long as let's say, is feasible with the products. But mm. over time, I feel like the hair loss always wins. I don't know what it is, but it always wins over a longer period of time. You can delay it five, ten years. It's always going to win. I, I, I can't explain it. I don't know whether it's hormonal or what. Uh, yeah, I mean, the hair loss, because it's slow and uh, progressive. So um, I, I wouldn't say it's always win, but uh, because it's slow and progressive, it's constantly uh, ticking in the background. So um, it's something that can progress with time, uh, of course, depending on your genetic predisposition. But if you are very active, and uh, in um, in uh, treating it, and uh, a lot of time we uh, still can still can win. Still and uh, <laughs> the big fight. And uh, and uh, and um, it is a long is a long term is a long term uh, fight against uh, hair loss because uh, 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 
is uh, they, they, they are constantly affecting uh, your hair in the background. So if you were not to be uh, on the anti hair loss medication, then sometimes they can, every time you come off medication, they can have an effect on the, uh, on the hair and you lose a little hair without noticing yeah. it. And uh, with time, so uh, not to say they always win because I, uh, if we are very careful about it, you know, live a good lifestyle, be very careful of that, and uh, use anti hair loss medication with or without hair transplant, then a lot of time we can maintain a, a good, uh, good coverage. Is, is there a time in somebody's life, maybe they're too old or um, they've lost so much hair that they're too far gone? Is there any period of time where that happens or you've you know is there a cutoff point where you'd say to patients you're never going to get it back now it's too late or is it always reclaimable at any age or any let's say severity of hair loss um depending on the expectations uh we all hope to have a very good head of hair um but uh sometimes if you have very severe hair loss so your hair loss affecting a big wide area then we might not be able to restore to a very good coverage all over because uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, there's limited resource in the back and the side. So uh, you, um, you're unlikely to restore to the original coverage uh, uh, over a wide area. But uh, you can still restore to a degree. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, what I would suggest is um, ideally, if you can keep what you have, without letting it progress to a big wide area, that's going to help because imagine that you starting to recede and you go on some anti loss medication and that stabilizes it. And uh, all we need to do is to restore what is lost, what, what is uh, restore what's gone. And uh, then that's a small area. And uh, yeah, but I have uh, experienced uh, uh, Patients who just have too wide area, and we can't restore it to a degree that they uh, they uh, they prefer. So it might not work, um, and uh, in that case, uh, it's better not to not to uh, uh, start the work. So it's it's the wig at that point, is it? Uh, yeah, it can, it can be that, <laughs> or, or maybe change, changing changing the expectations. So a lot of the time, they, when they come to see me and say, "Well, look, uh, I really want to do something." Uh, uh, some improvement, you know, a lot of times some improvement is always possible, but does that reach what you had in mind? Um, that's another thing. If that you can accept some improvement, if you have wide area hair loss, then hair transplant may still be for you. But uh, uh, a lot of time, most patients, when they think of hair transplant, is the transformation that they 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 they, they are looking. So uh, sometimes it might not be always. Possible. the results you want yeah um wig technology is getting pretty good as well i want to do a documentary on it soon where i look at all the different um mm. hair cures all the different solutions and actually video you know the results before and after for each of these things um on the terms of alternative treatments just for the future where, where do you see things going is there a potential cure and i'm, I'm really interested in stem cells and um 3d printing i want to see what's happening with them is have, have you got any insight on them well, I think stem cell is uh, available now, and uh, um, stem cell is available now, and uh, there is uh, used as a non-surgical treatment. And uh, so, I don't know if you have uh, seen some of the new stem cell treatment. They take some of your hair follicles uh, in your uh, 
Uh, they usually take it uh, behind the ear, but I, uh, uh, I would recommend, you know, you can take it for the entire uh, 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 spread out from the donor area. And uh, they, um, they use this stem cell and then uh, to treat uh, other parts of the scalp. And uh, so far, uh, from some of these presentation and studies, uh, yielding good results. So uh, things, are, things are hopeful and uh, things are moving uh, quite fast, actually. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and the hair cloning would be uh, upon us uh, in no no time. And uh, so, at the is, moment, I think the near future, the hair uh, hair cloning, hair cloning. That's the same thing, is it? Uh, slightly different. I think the hair cloning. What they try to do is uh, take a, some of your hair follicles. So they take a few grafts from your donor, and then they send it to the laboratory and have okay. that uh, clone. And uh, so you have a lot of uh, hair follicle. Uh, cells. Uh, so far, the, in the near future treatment, as far as I'm aware, uh, usually this type of thing is top secret, but uh, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, uh, uh, these are used as uh, uh, non-surgical treatment. So these cells, when they come back from the cloning from the lab, they will use it as what I was describing earlier, uh, to inject over the scalp in an area that you experience some thinning. And uh, these area. They, uh, appear to respond to the uh, to the uh, uh, treatment. Excellent. But, uh, I don't think uh, there is any uh, um, advances, as far as I'm aware. Uh, they might be doing it uh, is uh, to clone the entire follicular unit uh, with the entire structure uh, to be transplanted. So maybe oh, wow. this is in the knee, uh, in the in the in the further future. Uh, maybe one day uh, that uh, hair transplant doctor uh, will. Uh, extract a few graphs and then send it to the lab and uh, you can come back in a few months time we'll have thousands and thousands and thousands Spare of hairs. wow great <laughs> stuff exciting stuff it is exciting stuff especially for a lot it of guys is. out there so if um, mm. any of my audience or anybody who's watching this for the first time wants to uh, get in contact with you maybe maybe they want treatment or maybe they just want to ask a few questions if they don't live you know in the mm. UK uh, where can they find you on socials and uh, your email or anywhere else yeah, sure. I'm on the. Uh, uh, I'm based in Harley Street in London, and my website is www.erlmarktan.co.uk. And uh, I'm on Instagram too. Uh, Instagram is at erlmarktan. Dr. Mark Tan, that's my name. And uh, I'm also on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn uh, as well. Um, uh, you can call. Uh, you can uh, uh, visit us. And um, when you visit our website, you uh, find that um, uh, uh, we offer a complimentary. Um, uh, pre-assessment, so uh, analyze your photos for your likely suitability first, and uh, we'll provide a fee estimate and uh, a, a preliminary design. And uh, so you can have this information before you come and see me. So uh, just to help you to make a decision yourself. Excellent. Mark, thank you so much, honestly, for coming on the second time as well. I thought, I thought we'd lost all that information. And I, I know how many guys <laughs> out there, especially young guys now, are struggling with hair loss and they're trying to figure out maybe how, how to either grow the confidence and live with it or probably the more likely solution to find somebody like yourself, get the answers they need, cost treatment, etc. And you provided that for us twice now. Um, and I thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, I, I think it's worth noting when I said to you, do you want to come on? Do you want me to, uh, you know, offer mm. you some compensation? And you said, as long as my advice is helping oh. people, that's, that's okay, we've got you. As long as my advice is helping people, then that's 
you know that's payment enough and I think that says a lot about you and your character and I think people should get in contact with you especially because I think you've got the right identity you've got the right motive behind why you do your work so thank you so much for that and thank you from my audience most welcome pleasure to be here and uh, you know uh, I'll be happy to if the information we talk about help uh, someone out there and uh, and uh, you know it's so well, well there are a lot of people have their opinion over facts and uh, it's uh, nice to uh, nice to nice to know what uh, my, my my expertise can uh, help uh, someone out there fantastic okay i'll um i'll probably drop you an email afterwards i'll send over all the oh. files etc but thank you so much really appreciate your time and um i'll speak to you again soon. have a great weekend thanks guys see ya goodbye